Welcome to Break a Wish, the podcast where all your dreams come true, but with terrible ironic costs. Joining me today, we have Kyle Scott. Hello. And Maddie Mosafari. Hello. And we're doing a movie review of the film Yesterday, the film where the Beatles get erased from everyone but one guy. So let's talk first off, just uh, have you seen this film before and how big of a Beatles fan are you? Maybe get us going, Scott. Kyle. Scott. Thank you. The Bond introduction I deserve. Uh, (laughs) I initially avoided this film because since I was in, I think, grade four, have been a gigantic Beatles fan. They are my favorite band of all time. I started playing the guitar to learn their songs. I wore my hair way too long for too long to try to emulate their style. I can tell you what sort of what gauge of strings John Lennon used on his 1964 uh, Rickenbacker 325 that he received in Miami, which has a different I cannot kind of stress vibe. that you do not have to do that. Please do not bother telling us that. <laughs> they were very heavy strings. They had a wound G string. Okay. That means something different to me, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good one. I am a giant Beatles fan. Uh, It's been a big part of my life. And this film scared me because I also like Richard Curtis to a point. And that point is about 20 minutes into Love Actually. And ever since then, he has not been a trustworthy maker of culture i find uh he'll forever live as the guy who was co-writer and co-creator of black adder but the maudlin sort of milk toast uh very middle brow boring uh comedy filmmaker that he is now did not fill me with much hope for this being a an exploration of the beatles in the context of modern society and that's the screenwriter you're talking about? Uh, uh, Richard Curtis, uh, yeah, he rewrote the screenplay. It was re- somebody else. Uh, it was a spec script he bought. I believe he also directed it. Oh, no, it was Danny Boyle. No, Boyle. directed by Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle. Yeah, Danny Richard Boyle. Curtis. Richard Curtis uh, wrote the screenplay. What about you, Maddie? Uh, okay, so I didn't know who the Beatles were until I think I was like 17, 16, watching American Idol. Um, and there was Beatles Week. And just from the like the contestants singing Beatles, I was like, Wow this is amazing. Like these guys make amazing music. And I became a big Beatles fan since So you had been in a coma until you were 17 years old. <laughs> I lived in Iran. Uh, fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're the not country really that is a coma. <laughs> yeah. That essentially is the co- country that's in a cult that's been in a cultural coma since the 1970s. Um, <laughs> fair. But yeah, no, like they're, they're more of a like Scorpion and Metallica kind of country. Um, I've heard yeah, that. I've um, heard there's a lot of metal there. A lot of metal, a lot of affinity for Christy Burke for some reason. Like I don't know why. <laughs> like, but I that's don't even know who Christy Burke is. Uh, the Red Dress or something like is his famous song. Lady in Red. Lady in Red. Yeah. Oh, Lady Red. in Red. I know that song. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. No, I I I I love the Beatles, and I hated this movie so much. Like <laughs> just from the moment it started, I hated everything about it. Even before it started, I knew I was going to hate it. And I was like, no, give it a chance. It's a Danny Boyle movie. It's got to be good. And I'm just like, fuck. Like, now that you say who Richard Curtis is, it makes a bit of sense to me. That, like, yeah. Wait, did you say you love this movie, Kyle? Or did you say no, you hated no, it? No, 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 no. It's very bad. 
okay, cool. I was like, that fear took over me of like telling someone that loves a movie, I hate that movie. Yeah, no, I, I, what a, what a train wreck. I will, I will say, I think we have something interesting here though, because I am the person who is the least fan of the Beatles here. Like, I think they're fine. Like, I like some of their songs. I know that they're historically important, but I wouldn't put on the Beatles to listen to probably. Yeah. That's not how I experience them. I just go like, oh yeah, maybe a Beatles songs would be appropriate here in this movie or in this, uh, in this theater moment. I can see that, but I wouldn't just turn them on to listen to them. Uh, and I didn't want to watch this film because I didn't think I would care enough about the premise. I thought I'd be like, whatever. It's not that big a deal. It's just the Beatles, but I kind of enjoyed it. Like, I'm not saying it's a great film, but I was like, eh, it was an enjoyable way to spend some time. I enjoyed the characters well enough. I thought they were not nice. They're friendly people. They interacted well. This, the overall arcing story definitely has some flaws, but I thought it was a pleasant film. Did you know who you are? You're the American guy that goes to, to Italian guys and says, Hawaiian pizza isn't that bad. Like, that's the <laughs> of what's happening right now. Okay, I can see that. And again, I care a lot about pizza, so I would be like, that's insane. Hawaiian pizza is terrible. But yeah, uh, for someone who like, doesn't mind care. Hawaiian. What's yeah, that? Nice. I don't mind Hawaiian. A little bit of sweet. A lot of times after SoCap, I'd go to uh, Pizza Nova, I think. What's the one to the left? Uh, I'd go to Pizza Nova and I'd get a Hawaiian pizza with hot sauce on it. And it was, I loved it. Yeah, that was my jam for a long time. Okay. So I have oversimplistic views about the Beatles and you guys are wrong <laughs> about pizza. <laughs> you know, there's a little give and take here. Okay. So I guess you guys are on the same board. Let's let it rip. Uh, what do you guys really hate about this film so much? What made it so visceral for you? The, you central, so much. the central premise of hoping that you could wake up one day and basically step into the shoes of one of your favorite artists is a conversation I've had since I was a teenager with friends. It's sort of like an adolescent power fantasy uh, to say, oh, uh, what if there had never been The Clash and I could just write all The Clash's songs and claim The Clash's songs myself and like be the new Joe Strummer? And it doesn't work with The Beatles because that feels like it would leave such a hole in culture. Uh, there's a scene early on when he's realizing, oh, the magic has happened, the Beatles are gone, nobody knows who they are, and he's Googling things. And the Rolling Stones are still hugely popular. That that doesn't happen without the Beatles. The only thing they give is that Oasis never happened, which is a big joke. Yeah, that's and a good one. It's true, but oh, maybe I don't. Get, I didn't get that. I thought that was just another band that's missing. So why would the Oasis not happen because, because of the Beatles happening? They're famously just Beatles ripoff artists. Like they, that was the big thing about them in the '90s is that oh, they're the new Beatles. Oh. Yeah, I yeah I don't think the internal logic of this film did work because of yeah it seems like I, I at first I thought it made sense because I thought it just destroyed the memories and like the files like so the rest of the, the world was the same because it seems like nothing else changed right like well no it went from Coke, moment to moment well Coke yeah, wasn't yeah. there cigarettes weren't there uh, a few other things but yeah so I, I made a list of those it's Oasis the Beatles cigarettes Coke Harry Potter. Yeah, those are the only things that are mentioned in the film. And my understanding was like, so maybe the best way to understand it, the movie doesn't bother explaining this at all. And I think that's the great choice for a movie. Yeah. But like in my head, it was like, okay, so maybe 
this is the whole like we're all living in a simulation and someone just uh like reset it and a couple files were lost or something yeah, like it's corrupted yeah, it's, it's a little a little corrupted file. Someone did a reboot, and for some reason, he got left out of the reboot because he was unconscious at that exact moment. Yeah. And apparently, he was the only one unconscious in the world, or, or whatever. There's three other people. Um, but yeah, so like the world state stayed the same, but just that information was lost, and that's what I thought was going on. But then there's that John Lennon scene later, and yeah. then I don't I don't know what happened now. It's a world where the Beatles just never started a band, basically. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, everything else happened. It's almost as though the Beatles happened, and then it gets retconned in 2016 or whenever the film is made that the Beatles never started a band. So all of the rest of culture happened, and the rest of the music industry developed in the way that it did with the Beatles be- having been around. And then you just go back and retcon them out. That's what it feels like happened in the world. Yeah. Yeah, like it's or like maybe a butterfly effect that few things just didn't happen. Like Jonathan Tobacco didn't invent cigarettes or whatever. <laughs> like, like it feels like that was like somewhere something happened and it, the butterfly effect was Beatles didn't exist, cigarettes didn't exist, Coke didn't exist. Because I doubt like the they when their mind like if Beatles didn't exist, Coca Cola wouldn't exist. Like I heavily doubt that's what they thought. If they did, I, that is super stupid. That's definitely not the way time that, works. <laughs> my theory yeah. is that. There were several wishes just at once. It's like uh, you got your Jack who wants to be a great songwriter. You've got Mr. R.C. Cola who wants to finally stop <laughs> being everybody's joke. Uh, you've got cool. everybody they never, they never who never show R.C. Cola. They still only show Pepsi. <laughs> well, you, you can assume R.C. Cola is number two now. And yeah. they had a modest wish. They just wanted to be number two. He's just rising slowly. Like, as, like, Jack is rising in the world, RC Cola is, like, expanding his plants and stuff. I think I love a world where the guy who founded RC Cola assumes that if he just got rid of Coke or Pepsi, he'd be number two. <laughs> and then it doesn't happen. It just makes Pepsi number one, and he's still a nobody. Like, he's still yeah. Yeah, not even in the running. Fago. Everybody's a juggalo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God damn. This is like, uh, this is really like, I read this story recently about this lady that her life has been ruined, and rightfully so, but her life has been ruined by competing in Miss Hitler or something. It's like a beauty pageant for Nazis. And she's lost her job. She's in prison, and she didn't even win. So, like, imagine how fucked it is that she's like lost her whole life. And she didn't win as well. I feel like that's what RC Cola got. Like he like. like Wait. Okay, this like, is a little different though. She did knowingly compete in Miss Hitler or know, whatever, right? Yeah, I know. I know. Like I have no sympathy for it whatsoever. But I'm saying, like, okay, imagine good. that. Like you throw your life away and you don't even win. And like that's what I imagine RC Cola guy is like, like changed the whole course of history, and he didn't even become Coca Cola. He didn't even become Pepsi. I guess that's kind of sad. Maybe that's a far-fetched relation. Yeah, I, I think I think it is just a couple weird things change because I don't think they're most other than the Oasis one, which you guys have explained to me and I didn't get originally. I don't think the other ones are connected at all. No, like I don't I think, think cigarettes so. would stop the Beatles. But also, if you got rid of cigarettes, like that would butterfly effect so hard because there would be so many more people alive and healthy, <laughs> right? Yeah. And would like, the Rolling Stones be as famous? Like, doesn't the guitarist always have a cigarette in the corner of his lips? And their first song that they were, their first single was a Beatles song given to them by John and Paul. Oh huh. shit! I didn't know so, that. And everything they did in, until the very end of the '60s was just six months behind what the Beatles were doing. Like the Beatles do Sgt. Pepper, they do uh, her, His Satanic Majesty's Request. 
Yeah, so I don't, I don't think that I, th- I thought that was a fun scene of the idea of like, what is the next highest search result if something is just deleted, uh, and him finally yeah. stumbling into like, what? Oh no, like Beatles, obviously, and then like Pope John Paul II being like, no, that's not the John Paul I'm talking about. That's a fun little, eh, that's Honestly, a fun little joke. That is probably the only joke I enjoyed in the whole movie. <laughs> Like I agree, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, just like the whole, the whole, uh, you know, the whole game of some mentioning something, no one remembering it, and then him in his mind like searching it and then finding nothing. Um, like the little, I think it was like little flashbacks at one point that it was just yeah. Like, they did a bunch of callbacks to that yeah. moment where like whenever someone else did another thing that didn't exist, it would show what would come up instead. Yeah, and that I think was the only funny thing in the movie for me for a movie that every character except for the main character is a comic relief, like. They they tried to make this movie likable so hard that except for the main guy Jack and Ellie, maybe everyone else is comic relief and Ed Sheeran because he's just not funny. Um, <laughs> but like the parents are comic relief, the friends are comic relief, the agent is comic relief, and nothing about that movie is funny, which is amazing. I mean, I I still liked Kate McKinnon. I thought she gave a great performance. She did yeah, give a great she, performance. She gave a Kate McKinnon performance, but with no material to work with and no story yeah. to be funny in and no scenes that worked. Yeah. Okay. And she keeps Let's, calling him ugly, and he is a movie star. He is not yeah. ugly. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be a joke because it does it doesn't read as honest. Because, <laughs> he, yeah, he's a good-looking guy. Yeah. And, it, and it's also like she's just a caricature. Like, no character has any depth like as including her as well she's like money 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 i like like does anyone actually even do this like i don't know i haven't met a lot of rich people but none of them are like that like just it seems like a bit ridiculous like very unbelievable as a person i've met some business people who are basically that they're a little more subtle about it in the words they use but the meaning behind their words are exactly that yeah like that, you can clearly see that they think that like money is what gives people value and what gives things value, and like, and they they say that, and they just don't say it quite as bluntly as a Kate McKinnon character, but yeah. they are saying it. Like especially like the second Malibu house thing, I was just like, okay, here we go. Like th- she's not going to get her second Malibu house because she's ca- talking about it so confidently. Like, <laughs> foreshadowing. Sort of, foreshadowing. Yeah. Fuck. That just pissed me off so much. Sh- should we talk about Ed Sheeran in this a bit? Because is I don't Ed think- Sheeran really looked upon as the greatest songwriter of his generation? I-, I didn't think so. I barely know him. Like I know him more through his cameos that he's had after becoming a star than any of his actual music. He's big. But he's not biggest artist in the world. He's not most respected artist in the world big, is he? Not at all, no. No, and I feel like the film tried to make us think he was, and then he came off really conceited for playing along with that part of the script at all. Like, it, he does not look good in this. <laughs> yeah, there's that uh, scene where they have the songwriting battle, and yeah. he does some tweet nonsense about a penguin, and Jack does <laughs> The Long and Winding Road, which is one of the great songs of pop music. And he's pretty shitty about it. He is a sore loser. Yeah, like he's trying to be gracious, but the way he's being gracious is very much a humble brag type gracious. Yeah. And it's... It was oh, probably it, written, intended to be him being gracious and accepting defeat and accepting the genius of the song. But Ed Sheeran himself is probably a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, that's a, that's how he came off there anyway for me. Yeah. 
in my mind, like, what the reason he's even in the movie is because they're like, okay, there are some like sixteen-year-old kids that like Ed Sheeran, or actually, I don't even know his target demographic is, but I imagine like it was like if if we say Ed Sheeran likes Beatles, then the people that listen to Ed Sheeran they will go and buy a more Beatles album, and then whatever record that owns like whatever company owns the Beatles the rights to the Beatles they're going to make a lot of money and to me it was just part of marketing they were just like let's put someone in here that would uh, uh I don't know encourage people to buy more or listen to more Beatles and then add more streams essentially I think they needed a musician in for the story structure like because he needs to get famous because someone endorses him basically yeah. otherwise it, it, it doesn't seem to track and I guess Ed Sheeran is someone who wants to be an actor that they were able to get and is also from the UK. Because also, like, a plot point is he notices him because apparently Ed Sheeran watches cable access television. <laughs> yeah, it was not cable access. It was very clearly uh, just local morning show. So, yeah. Which was... I assumed was on cable access or the, equiv- like, or the UK equivalent. Like, very much a very local show that... Why why would why would Ed Sheeran watch such a thing? He is both too <laughs> young and too famous yeah. to watch the local show about yeah, the guy who works in a stockroom and is playing some good songs. Like it just it doesn't make sense why he'd be watching that show other than it was required to get to the next plot point. Oh my god. And then like his his Jack's parents reaction to Ed Sheeran being in their house like can I have the jelly? Like just like what what is this like if you have a guest in your house like i don't know i've i've been a guest in a lot of people's houses and i've had a lot of guests in my house in my parents house this is not their reaction when a guest comes by that just like brush him off as if he doesn't exist and get him to move out of the way so they can grab jelly i think that's because the one thing about his parents is they are pathologically aloof yeah (laughs) that is the only thing that is true about them in any scene that they're in when he's trying to play them let it be and they just keep getting into conversation with their neighbors and start again oh skip that part start it like they're just totally aloof to anything that's happening around them and there's no other note to those characters no like i mean i'm not i'm iranian i'm not indian but to me they seemed like people like they just were written like white people to me i don't know like i've met a lot of people and i've like almost in canada exclusively hang out with people from immigrant backgrounds. And I just like the, the way they were reacting to their kids' success. Like, it's not, I don't know, like Iranian parents would not be behaving that way. So it just like, it all just seemed like they just, they were just jokes. Like they were just joke characters, which was like, to me was a little bit annoying. Cause like when you cast people of color, like have something in there about them being people of color. Don't just create a white role and then just make it a person of color. That was like one of my big issues with the movie that this like anyone could have played that role. It it wasn't about them being POCs, which it seems to me like it was just a marketing move on their behalf. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, because, yeah, it definitely felt it felt like how white parents do deal with kids who are trying to be in the arts like that part. The relationship with the parents of like, oh, do your nice little songs. Uh, Oh, we, we clap along. But we aren't taking it as seriously as you. That yeah. did read true to me. Yeah. But, like, but, that, but that, again, I, yeah, I'm a white Canadian. So maybe that my experience is different, uh, is, is different. And maybe that should have come across. It's I don't also know. A, a huge missed opportunity to explore like the context of what the Beatles were doing. They were white kids 
from a working class city playing black music in the 60s and turning it into something that is recognizably culturally white. They are co- they are through their genuine love for the music of rhythm and blues and girl groups and blues and taking all of that and turning it into their own thing and because they just love it so much and they're doing it and they're adding in other things it's they've taken black music made it white music and then this character has a chance is taking white music and is a person of color making it and i feel that that is never addressed at all in the movie and it is kind of a huge bit of the cultural context for what the beatles were doing yeah so, Maddie, it, it, I know you're not Indian, but you, you did say it didn't feel like an immigrant parent type of feel. Yeah. How do you think your parents would react if you woke up and suddenly had, you know, Beatles level talent or especially in like, you know, it's a different style than what your background is, but it's, you know, the most British music ever. And suddenly you are playing it at the highest level. How would they react to that? Oh, they would be head over heels. It'd be crazy. Like they would come to all of my shows they wouldn't ask for the sandwich in the room when I'm about to have like my album release. They wouldn't interrupt. Like if, if someone came to our house and I was going to play them that song, they would not like interrupt or anything. They would just like get people to come and listen to it. Um, so like a culturally, I don't think they would care. They wouldn't be like, oh, I'll play Iranian music, but they would just be way more enthusiastic about this whole thing. And I guess it's just parents in general would be more enthusiastic, not even just the immigrant parent. A parent in general would be way more enthusiastic about what's happening. A human being. A human being, yeah. yeah. Uh, again, Rocky was more enthusiastic than his parents. Yeah. But no, I, I, I understand the idea of parents going like, oh, those are, those are nice little jokes. Um, but have you, have you considered about going back to computer science? Because yeah. I've been getting that, I've been getting that for ten years. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Well, it's not like you woke up in a world where there's no uh, key and peel, and you started d- doing their sketches. <laughs> don't do their sketches. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that, All right, Mitchell and Webb. That would be a very different film, but also a very frustrating film. Yeah, yeah a white comedian realizes key and peel has been released. And like this is all great. I can't. Oh I my can't God. do it. <laughs> yeah, you just like what wake can up. I do with this? <laughs> yeah. You just wake up, realize it, and then just go back to sleep. You're like, okay, uh, yeah. well, that's cool. That, that's a thing. <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's just for me now. That's too yeah. bad. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like if right. Dave Chappelle sketches didn't exist. Like, like no. Yeah. <laughs> nope. No. No, thank you. I think I there's nothing the, you can do with that. Yeah. The obvious thing would have been to say Monty Python because that's the closest comedy correlation to the Beatles. Incredibly uh, impactful British thing from the 60s. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, no. I just I just think like I literally couldn't do Key and Peele stuff. If I got Monty Python stuff, I could probably do some of it. A lot of it's date. Like, that's another thing about is, the movie is that these are 50-year-old songs that he's coming up with in a modern day context and we the assumption of the movie is that people will love it just as much as they did the first time yeah and i i do not think that is no realistic no i think the most realistic ending to this film would have been that moment where he like gets a gig in a bar and no one reacts to him and he's like well i guess guess they just i know material's good i guess they just don't like me and like i mean yeah like there's so much more about the industry that's about being in the right place having the right appearance and like scene and stuff like the talent is required 
but it also isn't a guarantee because we know we all as artists know lots of very talented people who for reasons to do to contact and not fitting into grooves that other people want to put them in aren't going anywhere right yeah or I think that would apply to music too. Like, I think if you got old, old. Yeah. And do you know what? Also, like, like all of these things you say are true, especially because, like, there are so many people writing songs that are amazing. They're amazing songwriters that no one knows about or very few people know about. They've got like a million hits on Spotify most. I can think of like two Canadian songwriters that are writing amazing songs and no one knows who they are. Not no one, but majority of the world don't know who they are. And I think a lot of the reason Beatles was famous was because of who they are, when they came out, their vibe, their energy. Um, especially because at the beginning, they were just essentially playing covers. And it was just, yeah, their swagger that got them where they were. So I don't think if like if they just would have played, if they had the same energy as Jack, I doubt they would have been as famous as they are right now. Yeah. One last thing I also want to ask is, so he's a solo artist and the Beatles are a band. Yes. That's a complicating factor, right? Like, isn't that... Would it have been easy to to replicate all their songs as a solo artist, or wouldn't a lot of them been more complicated to try to do as a solo artist when they're designed specifically for a four person band? The early stuff would be different because that's all the early Beatles albums were just recorded live off the floor by a band that had been spending thousands of hours honing their craft and could just go in and knock out uh twist and shout in one take and have it become an iconic recording. Yeah. But the later ones were the later albums were constructed piece by piece and recorded piecemeal and then edited together. So you could do that. And the individual the individual Beatles were not virtuosic. They weren't doing anything that nobody else could do. It's just they were doing else things that nobody else thought to do. So I guess someone might wonder why why am I even doing this on an episode about or a show about wishes? And you know, I think the thing that kind of came is like Actually, the first episode of Break a Wish was I Wish I Had the Musical Genius of John Lennon. So it kind of works with that callback to an episode that no one really remembers because it was so long ago. But if I were to try to turn this concept into a magic wish that you would actively choose, I think I would say, like, I want to put it out to the question to you, who would be the best thing to erase for you to monopolize and, and make value out of? Like, if you could choose what you were erasing... And you think you could recreate if no one had the memory of it? What do you think would be the best choice? Guns. Mm, probably guns. <laughs> if I'm the only one who knows about guns, I feel like I've got an advantage. Do you think you could recreate guns? Oh, no. Uh... <laughs> You'd be like the Russian guy holding the yellow submarine. Okay, I can do this. <laughs> Fuck. That's an interesting question. It would probably For me, it would probably be like an app idea or something. Just because, like, I don't know if I want to copy someone else's art. Like, I don't know if I want to be a famous singer by copying Beatles songs. But if it was an app, I would just make a lot of money um, and then go do whatever the fuck I want. I'll just... There's <laughs> a good way about it. Go yeah. with the dumbest idea that someone else should have thought of. Yeah. But someone thought of it first and just make money off of that. Yeah. And Something just, from an infomercial that got popular, like a Snuggie, maybe? <laughs> the George Foreman Grill? George, well, I mean... I think what made that popular was his name on it. Yeah, so I don't think would. you could really make the Maddox Campbell grill and have anyone buy it. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Why does this guy's grill matter? <laughs> Fuck. Do you know, okay, speaking of like going back to the thing you said about being a solo person, I don't know if, I feel like the creators of the movie had never been to a concert because 
if I went to a show and the opening act was playing a solo with just an electric guitar, a solo version of Back in the USSR, I would not give a flying fuck. Like, I would just be like, can you get this guy off the stage so I can, like, enjoy that Ed Sheeran? Like, that's that's not a song that I feel like by just playing with electric guitar, you would enjoy at all. In Moscow. He's in Moscow singing yeah. about the former communist regime in a yeah. Beach Boys pastiche that no one would get. No one would know that's a Beach Boys parody. Oh, yeah. yeah. Also, yeah, you're very much right that it's like they knowing who he is, what time it was, and him singing that song, it probably wouldn't go over well. Yeah, right? exactly. He would just be taken to the gulag or something. <laughs> <laughs> and the movie really... would be over right there. <laughs> I think that's one of the best examples of how context is important to the success of the Beatles, because in 1968, the Beatles doing a Beach Boys pastiche of basically California Girls is what that song is. And it's just because there's a well-known public sort of rivalry between them as the best American versus the best British band. You're not so far removed from that kind of early 60s uh chuck berry-esque uh musical style that that's in and it just doesn't work with one guy playing it in modern day moscow by himself yeah that's that's honestly that's the part also okay another one they changed hey jude to hey dude (laughs) but they didn't change she's only 17 come on like, if you're going to change something, hey, let's not sing about underage girls in a loving way. How about that? Like, that should be the song that they changed. Not fucking Hey Jude. There's probably a couple songs that they could have changed. Because, again, it's many years later. And these songs have a different context. Yeah, I really hope he didn't uh, do a version of Run For Your Life. It it really was an issue, too, that like people kept on asking him, like, oh, what's this song about? And he couldn't say. And, yeah, like, a lot of those songs only really have meaning if you can sort of interpret them and then you understand them more deeply, right? There's a passage in the book High Fidelity where he's, it's just after the big breakup and the music that he listens to when he's at his lowest point is Abbey Road by the Beatles because what made the Beatles so universally popular is the universality of their songs. There's an inherent compassion that you feel when you listen to the Beatles. There's something it's so general and specific at the same time. It's so earnest and has a real honesty to it, even though it's also massively commercial pop music. Yeah. And the movie was, had no earnesty or any honesty to it. Like the movie was exactly the opposite for me. Yeah. It was a lot of bullshit. It's like, you know what it is? It's like what the joke, I don't know if you've seen Eric Andre's special, but he makes this joke. He's like, how inappropriate is it that the move, the show Cops starts with reggae music? Like the theme song is reggae music. How inappropriate is that? And that's how I felt about this movie. That I was like, how inappropriate is it that like, this is like the vibe of the movie for such like a genuine and just like, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's just, it's such an amazing band. And the movie is so mediocre that it's just, for a movie about music, it is surprisingly tone deaf. Eh? Yeah. Uh, eh? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's a, good. Gets a good line. Quote of I, the day. Yeah, and I. So I'll say what what my half counter to that is is I think this movie treats the Beatles the same way a movie that's like this would treat being as smart as Einstein or a movie about being like a swimmer would just pick the name Michael Phelps and make someone like Michael Phelps like it just picked the Beatles as 
the go-to greatest band that everyone knows. Yeah. Rather than and then and then sort of filled in the references afterwards. Rather it's about than about as deep as the movie Like Mike. <laughs> yeah, it's got that sort of vibe to it. So again, for someone who doesn't venerate the Beatles as much, I got less mad at those parts of it. Like I still see those flaws. I still see that this logic doesn't pass through. It doesn't pass muster. It doesn't really make sense. But because I wasn't getting offended by how uh, poorly it honors the Beatles, I found some of the secondary characters like, oh, that's, that, that guy's fun. Uh, I, she's likable. And I enjoyed them sort of just going on that ride. Yeah. So, I mean, not a, not a great film, but like, yeah, for a mediocre film, I found it kind of pleasant because I didn't get mad at those things. Because I feel like you guys are actively getting mad at those things that didn't bother me because I didn't care about the Beatles as much. I got very sure. mad at John Lennon showing up. I thought yeah. that was ghoulish. Yeah, I didn't like that part, though. That Even that part, I didn't like. <laughs> so, so, like, it is like, I could, I would watch it, John Lennon. I'm watching John Lennon, and all I can think about is, like, he used to, he was, a, he was in a v- physically aggressive towards his wife. Yeah, just, like, I would watch that and be like, oh, I don't know if I want to see this guy. Like, why not Ringo? Like, he seems pretty neutral. Or, like, Paul McCartney, maybe. Like, he's alive. Just get him to be in the movie. George was a funny guy. Why didn't you have somebody be George? Yeah. George might have worked. I think I think they chose John because he was dead, and you know it had to be someone who got to live who should who could George have died as well. Yeah, but he died. I yeah. guess like, well, how, did, how, how did George die? Yeah, he uh, yeah, okay, he was back. a smoker. Yeah. Whereas John Lennon died because he was a beetle, right? Yeah, yeah. Though actually, yeah, if George died because of cancer because he was a smoker, he would still be alive too. Right? No cigarettes. Yeah. There's yeah. no cigarettes. <laughs> do, you know, do you know though? There is something I have to admit seeing like the idea of like what would happen if john was alive and getting to actually talk to him that was a bit a little bit emotional for me i'm not gonna lie because i'm like fuck like that just like yeah it would be it would be so like same with kurt cobain if like kurt wasn't dead if if kurt cobain wasn't dead and i actually got to see him and talk to him i think i would just be super emotional um yeah but i think and i think the part of the moment that bothered me about it though is because i know those are flawed people and i know the movie presented him as a messiah guru character right who would say the exact right things and and just believed in peace and love and had a happy life and just gave great advice and i'm like well no he he was a human he was a flawed human yeah like there's lots of reasons to consider him a bad man as much as there are reasons a flawed human was good who made a public effort to improve himself and to move past his misdeeds and to apologize for them. So, yeah, he, but if, in uh, that but, sense, is a beacon for what we could be ourselves. But if a random guy showed up and asked him for advice, he probably wouldn't present himself as a messiah figure to that random guy. Well, he might have been stoned. It's John Lennon. He <laughs> he might have, okay, he might have been stoned. He might have been stoned. Yeah. Fair enough. That does explain away that flaw that I had. It's wild. It's, yeah. I have a question for you, Kyle. Mm-hmm. So, if, like, am, I, this is it's actually an interesting question that, like, if the Beatles didn't exist, who would be the band? Or would there be a band that would take Beatles' place? Ooh, like, would it be the Kings? I like that question. Yeah, it wouldn't be the kinks. They're too weird, too combative, too bad at playing the game. Uh, yeah. It wouldn't be the who for the same reasons. Uh, might be, you know what? The Rolling Stones might. Mick Jagger is a cunning, cynical businessman. He went to the London School of Economics. He might not have, they might not have been inspired to write their own music and see that as the way forward, which is what the Beatles started. Or maybe just 
Brian Wilson reigns supreme and never goes crazy. Yeah. Or or the monkeys? No. The band <laughs> specifically designed to be a television version of the Beatles. Yeah, maybe them. Maybe they actually get big for real. I mean, maybe just some band that we've actually never heard of. Um, or maybe the, the the stream of music would have been different. Maybe it just it could have been the Kings, and because like every other band you're mentioning is violent, and maybe it just would have been more violent music, more like aggressive attitudes rather than but like sweet the sweet four. Those Beatles. bands also don't get signed if not for the Beatles. Oh, they true, yeah. create the market for British uh, bands and British rock groups like when the beatles were auditioning for deca they were told that we think guitar groups are on their way out that's a good point because they're like here's beatles here's angry beatles here's sassy beatles like to them they're just like getting to them when they're high signing a british band they're like here's different flavors of beatles rather than being like here's this band's talent that i personally enjoy but groups like the rolling stones and the yardbirds were already happening the the british blues uh, movement was going so maybe eric clapton still gets big or maybe the beatles never open up the american market for them so they never happen yeah maybe the american and british markets would stay more separate and then there would be two very different streams of western music yeah it's very fundamentally day. ridiculous that the biggest cultural movement in music in the 60s was a bunch of British kids playing blues and rhythm and blues. Yeah. Ooh. But maybe the U.S. was rife to import something. So if it wasn't the Beatles, maybe it could have been another culture entirely. Yeah, Zydeco. If, I was thinking, like, what if K-pop got popular in the 60s? <laughs> oh, my God. I don't even and know if Sing it Min existed. Ree was, yeah. <laughs> South Korea in the 60s was a much different place. Italian disco would have been, like, the big next thing. Oh, yeah. Ennio Morricone. Yeah, Ennio Morricone. Yo, let's go with the boys and listen to some Ennio Morricone. Let's get stoned and listen to some Ennio. You know what? Maybe that would have been a better world. We never know. We'll never know. But I think we've uh, we've talked about yesterday long enough for today. Far too long. Uh, <laughs> maybe far too long. But I, th- I still had fun breaking down all the things that didn't work and uh, just chatting about the Beatles a little bit because you guys knew about them, but I didn't so much. Uh, but thanks so much, both of you guys, for joining me today. No worries. Thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us. And everyone else, goodbye. Well, that's what we came up with, but we want to hear from you. Tell us your thoughts. You can find us on Twitter at BreakAWishPod, email BreakAWishPod at gmail.com, join the BreakAWish discussion group on Facebook, and you can support the show by writing a review, telling a friend, or buying a t-shirt on TeePublic. All this information at breakawish.ca. For more Maddie Mosafari, follow him at Maddie Mose on Twitter. For more Kyle Scott, you can follow him on Twitter at GKyleScott. And maybe check out our old D&D podcast, Caverns and Comedians. This is a Kicks and Giggles Entertainment production hosted by Maddox Campbell, themed by Matthew Reed, cover art by Justin Langford, and a proud member of the Sonar Podcast Network. More podcasts at thesonarnetwork.com. So... What would you wish for? This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! 
Taverns and Comedians is a real play Dungeons and Dragons podcast featuring Toronto comedians playing Dungeons and Dragons. We roll the dice, but we edit that out to just give you the nice role-playing experience. Featuring acts of heroism. I've got his wallet. I mean, I, I didn't mean to kill him, but he was bad, right? We're pretty sure. Do I have to heal you? I don't want to. Can't you just die? Ooh, a dungeon master! My safe word is potato! Stumbling towards goodness one roll at a time. Caverns and Comedians can be found on iTunes, Google Play, or KicksandGigglesEntertainment.com. Coming June 1st to the Real Legitimate Anthology. Hi, my name is Hannah Rice. I'm a recently graduated freelance journalist. And what happened to me over the last year has changed my life forever. Crimson. The Crimson Tide is coming. Now go to bed, Hannah. You need your rest. This summer, I set out to investigate a sinister Toronto-based death cult, hell-bent on bringing our world to a fiery end. Then I spotted my target. Are you here for the Tyndall development meeting? Okay. On each hook okay. hung a small dagger. Okay. Oh, fuck! Oh, my God! Holy shit! Crimson. 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 Real Legitimate Apocalypse, the 10-episode miniseries, begins June 1st as part of the Real Legitimate Anthology. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review an Apple Podcasts.